Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. Alright, today we're going to be discussing handling temptations. Handling temptations, right? And it is very important, especially in this season where we're discussing devotion code, how to approach our devotion, that we learn also how to handle temptation, how to deal with temptations. Because this is one of the things that stifles many times our consistency in devotion. A lot of people might have things very consistent in their devotion, but temptations and habits usually stifle spiritual growth, stifles productivity. Stifles the call of God on your life. Stifles you from doing all of the things that God will have you do. And so I just think it's very important that we get to discuss this. So as a community of God's people, we can learn how to get over temptation and have a consistent walk with God, a consistent devotion. Hallelujah. I'm just going to start with a very (laughs) unorthodox introduction than I would usually start with. How many of you know the national anthem very well? If you watch football well, or you watch sports, and then they are, you know, saying the anthem, that's when you know the people that not go to good schools. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but some of them would usually just eat. Yeah, you can see that, oh boy, bros, what do you they talk now? That's not it. That's not it. But anyways, how many of you love your country? If you're in Nigeria, do you love Nigeria? Some of you are in Canada, some of you are in the UK, so I know you just... We are talking Nigeria now. We are talking Nigeria, so any other country, (laughs) don't worry, we are coming to you. But I'm talking about the Nigerians' national anthem. Now, the second stanza of the Nigerians' Nigerians' national anthem says, O God of creation, direct our noble cause, guide our leaders right, help our youth the truth to know. In love and honesty to grow and live and live in just and truth. Great lofty heights attain to build a nation where peace and justice reigns. Now it's a prayer. Right? It's a prayer. It starts by saying, Oh God of creation. It's a prayer. Direct our noble cause. Guide our leaders right. Help our youths the truth to know. In love, in honesty, to grow and live in just and truth. Great lofty heights attain to build. So it's a prayer that God guides the leaders. That God helps the country. That God helps the people. That God helps the youth. That in the end, we're able to build a nation where peace and justice reigns. The pledge of the country of Nigeria also says the same. It, end, it ends with, with the statement, so help me God, right? I pledge to Nigeria, my country, to be faithful, loyal, loyal and honest, to serve Nigeria with all my strength, to defend her unity and uphold her honor and glory, so help me God. The preamble of the Charter of Canada So Canada has a charter, the charter of rights and freedom of the state. So I'm going to use an example from Canada as well because we have a lot of members that will be joining from Canada as well and that would listen to this as well. 
But the, 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 the Charter of Canada has a statement that goes thus. Whereas Canada is founded upon principles that recognize the supremacy of God and the rule of law. Did you hear that? That Canada is founded on principles that recognize the supremacy of God and what? And the rule of law. And there have been many debates as to what the founding fathers here means by the supremacy of God. But we can clearly hear or understand what is meant here. It says that Canada is founded upon the principle that recognizes the supremacy of God and the rule of law. In many countries, many at least old countries, in the court of law, when a person is going to testify, we would usually have them, they would usually have them swear holding a Bible at hand in the court, right? In the court. Now, all of these is very important to help us understand that many countries were built on the foundation of societies that recognize the supremacy of God. Are you following me? Many countries were built on the foundation of societies that recognize what? The supremacy of God. One of the reasons why there is a casual holiday on Sundays is because societies were built on the foundation of, of that countries were built on the foundation of society that understood and recognized the supremacy of God. And so the Sabbath was recognized such that a, a day was given in such a way that it was reserved for the service of God. Are you with me? It was reserved for the worship of God. Majority of the people would rather that, they, you know, now that you're, you're we, we grew up learning these things as a normal, as a normal thing, right? But have you ever thought about where this all came from? It's just that one of it's just that day that everybody has given to say, you know what, we're going to worship God on this day. And over time it became a part of the norm. Are you with me? And so no matter how much people want to secularize the day, the reason why it was a casual part of of, of of what it is now, and many institutions want to begin to make people work on Sundays and, you know, all of those type of things. But one of the most important things is that it was one casual day given to people for the worship of God. And it was respected by the government. Are you with me? It was respected by the government, especially in Canada. I don't know as much of the history in Nigeria, but particularly in Canada, you know, I learned that that was, that, that was how it was, especially because countries like this were built in recognition of the supremacy of God. But every day today, we see these societies adopt new laws and practices that promote ideas that are in direct opposition to the things that their charter or their national anthem or their pledge is saying. A country that the circumstances of the national anthem prays that God should guide the leaders' rights. Now nobody cares where the leaders are from. <laughs> and new laws are adopted into the system forgetting the foundations 
at which these countries were built upon. Listen to me. Strong countries, strong societies are built on the foundation of God. And when society begins to overlook this, what is happening to us today is what begins to happen. Iniquity begins to rise. Please, are you following me? Iniquity begins to rise. There's a rampant increase in ungodliness. Society breaks down. How many of you have ever had conversations with older people? You have grandparents, grand, grandpas, and, you know, gra- have they spoken to you before? And have you ever just wondered how in their time it was almost like nobody was doing bad? Have you ever felt like that before? Even though they were bad people, but it was not just ideal. How many of you have had that experience? Yeah. It's, it's almost like they are, they are looking at us now and they are like, people don't even have good training any longer. And it's because any society that throws away that foundation, it crumbles. Are you listening to me? It crumbles. It implodes. I'll give you an example. What are you going to teach your child in English language? To refer to a guy as he or a girl as she or now don't refer to anybody as anything. Just call the person they. It's against the normal construct of English language in itself. Do you see how society can implode? You, some of you know what I'm referencing, right? You know what I'm talking about. It's, it's a problem. It's a problem. And countries like Nigeria, you know, They've not, they've not really, they are not really catching up as fast and thank God for that. Thank God for the safety you're in. But the countries that are catching up faster, iniquity is in the rise. And this is what happens when that, that, that supremacy of God is neglected. Please, are you following me? This is very important what we're discussing today. This is very important what we're discussing. Strong societies are built on the foundation of God. And when society begins to overlook this, there is a rampant increase in ungodliness. There's a rampant increase in iniquity. And society begins to break down. Many countries have their laws built from the laws of God. Good, strong society is built on that foundation. But history bears witness of what happens when we neglect God. History bears witness. History bears witness of what the propensity in man can lead to. The different wars that have happened in the world bears witness to what can happen. To what man is capable of doing. Are you following me? History bears witness. But where we are now is that society has created an environment that allows sin to thrive. Societies that have thrown away that foundation or that recognition at least of the supremacy of God has created an environment that allows sin to thrive and iniquity to thrive at an exponential rate. Are you following me? It's manifesting in different ways in different countries. In some countries, it might be scam rates. 
in some countries, it, 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 it might be the, the, their sexual practices. In some countries, it might just be, it might just be violence and war. But for whatever it is, we see that society having neglected the importance of the supremacy of God would always have iniquity rise. And so where we are now, and I'm just going to limit this to countries um, um, that people here at least are in. Where we are now is a society where sin thrives, where sin rules. There's, an, there's a high increase of iniquity. Sin is on the rise and society is normalizing iniquity. And step by step, gradually, society is breaking down. Some cities faster than the other. Step by step. If there's one thing that we will learn from culture, is that humans know how to adapt. Are you with me? Humans know how to adapt. And so, humans know how to make any situation they are in. They will adapt to it and it will become the norm. Are you following me? So, what we can learn from history is that we've grown up to see where we are now as the normal thing. But in comparison to history, we see that we are far from what was normal. Do you know what I'm saying? We are far from what was normal. So what society is doing now, what governments are doing now, is to normalize it. Iniquity is being normalized. Do you understand what I'm saying? Iniquity is being normalized. And step by step, society keeps breaking down. The problem with all of this is that now we are missing the definition of sin. We're missing what sin really is. Because society has normalized iniquity. The rate of iniquity has skyrocketed so much and we are normalizing it. And so, we don't even know what sin really is. With people giving to the lust of their flesh, fulfilling desires of their flesh and of their mind, does that sound familiar? Giving to their flesh. Does it sound familiar? Fulfilling the desires of their flesh and their mind. Does it sound familiar? Body positivity. As long as I feel right about it, it's okay. Does it sound familiar? Do you? Nothing else matter. Does it sound familiar? Is that not fulfilling the lust of your flesh and of your mind? Does it sound familiar? Nobody else matters. As long as you are alright, just do what you feel like. You were born that way because you feel like that. Does it sound familiar? It does. What is happening is that people have now normalized it. The Bible says this, this is, these are people that are giving to the lust of their flesh, fulfilling the desires of their flesh and of their mind. That's what it is. So now we don't even know the meaning of sin any longer. The few things I mentioned to you now as an example are things that are normal in our society, yes or no? But does it not sound similar to the old conversation the Bible used to describe sin? In Ephesians chapter 2. Fulfilling desires of your heart, you were once what? Before you get to children of rats, just think about the things. Doing what their mind wants, doing what their flesh wants, as long as you feel it is right. Are you with me? As long as you feel like it, it's right. 
And that's where people are getting to now. You can't correct anybody online anymore. Who are you? If he feels like it, that's what he should do. If he wants to work, listen, you can get at least one research paper that supports every sinful act you can think about. Do you know that? Go and search. You can get at least one research There are research papers that support masturbation as a healthy thing. There are research papers that support people doing every form of sin. Is the same thing. People are giving to the lust of their flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. So hidden statements like what I mentioned to you is an agenda of the devil to obscure what should be wrong in society, to mask it and make it seem okay, make it seem right. But sin means to miss the mark. It, the definition of sin will never change. Sin is only defined according to the moral standards of God. Sin is any failure to conform to the moral law of God in acts, in attitude, in nature. That's how we define sin. So regardless of how it makes you feel, sin is to miss the mark of God's standard. We're living in a generation that almost doesn't want to have any standard. Everything is being deconstructed. Well, then that's the problem. It's well cut out. So the world is, is, is normalizing sin for you. Society is imploding and yet we are making it normal. There is fire on the mountain and nobody is running. I think it was Domwe that sang one song like that. No, I think it's Guy Walker, B. Okay, okay. Those of you that know the song, I don't know how you know the song, except you listen to gospel songs a lot. But then nobody sees the problem. It's just normal. It's normal. So, I, I mean, I think the problem is well cut out. We, we're seeing it right in front of us. Society is normalizing everything that is against God's standard. We are living without standards anymore. There's almost nothing you can correct online again. Who are you to correct? Who made you chief? <laughs> There's no standard. Should I tell you the funniest part? You can meet some people that will even tell you that there's nothing like truth. That truth itself is not real. <laughs> like there's no truth. That there's my truth and your truth. Have you heard statements like that? Does that not sound like fulfilling the, 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 the lust of the flesh? It does. It does. Nobody wants to be accountable anymore. Just do what you want to do. By what standard do you say there is truth? Say there's no truth. My truth, your truth. I'm like, then what makes certain... I was asking somebody recently what makes certain actions. He's like, as long as it does not hurt anybody. I'm like, eh, okay then. I think where I got him was when we spoke about things like, do I want to go into that conversation today? I think we should. Society has normalized bad sexual practices and then people have justified it without standards to say as long as you are not hurting anybody. Because we don't want to be accountable. But then the problem is that if there is no standard, we have to accept everybody. So in, in, in the law, they've not yet set it right that other sexual practices are bad, but in their minds is right because anything anybody does that makes him feel good is okay. 
So, bestiality might not be legally right in some countries, but in their mind, they've set precedence for it. Are you with me? In the mind, they've set precedence for it. Sleeping with children might not be legally right in some countries, but in your mind, in the minds and in what society is doing now, you've set precedence for it. So you want to tell me if a little child is not feeling hot and like likes it, then it's okay. Or how do you know if the dog... Do you get what I'm saying? It doesn't make sense. Society is imploding in itself. The whole thing is a mess. But brothers and sisters, what is sin? It is to miss the mark. Sin is defined with respect to God. And from an understanding of the attributes of God, I taught you that God is what? God is holy. God is just. From the holiness and the justice of God, you can see where the problem comes from. The problem isn't just that man has missed the mark, but the problem is also that God is holy, God is separate from sin, and God is just. So God must punish sin. So we mustn't miss our sight of what sin is. Sin is failure to conform to the moral standards of God. In act, in attitude, in nature. We mustn't let society make us lose sight of what sin truly is. Are you following me? Don't normalize sin. What did I say? Don't normalize sin. On a smaller scale as well, don't normalize sin. Don't. Sin has to be considered the way the Bible teaches it. It has to be viewed with respect to God's moral law, God's character. It is missing the mark and it comes with consequences. So it should not be taken lightly at all. It should not be taken lightly. It should not be taken lightly. Sin is directly opposite to all that is good in the character of God. Sin, in essence, is a contradiction to the excellence of God, to the holiness of God. Are you following me? And so God is against sin. What I'm doing here is I'm, I'm giving you information that makes you see the reality of what sin is. Sin is against God's excellence, his holiness, his standards. So God is against sin. I want you to say, say God is against sin. God is against sin. This is important. As against what society has come to normalize, we must learn and pay attention to the fact that God is against sin. Sin is wrong. Sin is not to be found around us. It's not normal. It's not normal. Sin cannot and must not be taken lightly. Sin has consequences. Sin has what? It has consequences. And so we as God's people must learn to handle sin not lightly, but the way it should be treated. We must learn to handle sin 
the way it must be treated. We cannot take sin lightly. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which God had, had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, had God said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden. So, before here, I'll give you a backstory. God had given man certain instructions. Mankind was created for God's pleasure. I've taught you this in Devotion Code. Mankind was in perfect union with God, in obedience and in service to God. You know, there was no idea that was raised outside God in Eden. Are you with me? This was perfect communion. This is where we all were before sin came into the picture. And this is where we can return to now that we are in the perfect image of Christ. Are you following me? This is the original image of where mankind was. I taught you this. And now the serpent introduced an idea that was alien to Eden. Mankind was in obedience and in submission to God's will. But now the devil is contradicting the word of God. He says, as God said that you cannot eat any of the tree of the garden. Was that what God said? Not actually. That's not what God said. So we see first the contradiction to the word of God. Have you noticed that many times a lot of people you preach to don't actually know the truth about God and the gospel? How many of you have noticed that? People who hate God many times don't even know the truth about God and his message. That's what the devil does. He obscures the word of God. He changes it. He contradicts what God has said for his own agenda. Please, are you following me? As God said that you should not eat the tree of the garden. God didn't say they should not eat any. And that's where contradiction started. And then the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruits of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. Verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. This is contradiction to the word of God. Are you with me? This is contradiction. Sin is wrong. Society is telling you you'll be fine. Society is telling you what if there's no hell? Society is telling you go on with it. You'll be fine in the end. Do you? As long as you feel alright, that's all that matters. Society is telling you there's no God. Society is telling you God has abandoned the world. Introducing you to ideas. That sounds smart, yet in themselves are foolish. Are you with me? Introducing you to... Have you noticed that the way they bring these things to you sounds smart? Introducing you to say that there is no God. The world was created by a big bang. Things just exploded. It sounds smart and scientific. But when you think of it logically, when have things ever exploded and they arranged to form themselves? Logically think about it. And that's what they teach us in schools. At the end of this teaching, maybe when we grow up, we'll decide to stop sending our children to public schools. 
and find a system that works. Because it's supposed to be smart ideas that are being introduced. Introduced. But now you're telling me that there's a big bang and things arranged itself. And so because of a big bang, plants started to form, water decided to separate and stay in one part, and then we were created, and then our bodies, you know, properly divided, asymmetric division, you have the same amount of things at the left represented at the right, you have the same amount of everything, then that explosion decided to write all the prints on your fingers to be so aligned and nice, created a digestive system. A system is not an ordinary component. It's a group of organs working together. Are you with me? And make sure that everything is doing the right thing, that if you drink water, your water will be filtered in such a way that the... Uh -uh, no. I think that creation... I think that that idea is more foolish to believe that. <laughs> That is God. <laughs> ah, ah. And I look at creation, I look at the sky. We have exactly the right amount of gravitational pull to keep the right amount of atmospheric gases in the air for us to survive. And that the earth is positioned just as far away from the sun. A little closer would all freeze to death. A little, a little closer would all burn to death. A little further would all freeze to death. All from a big bang. It sounds, it's supposed to sound smart, but sorry, you not get that one. And then in biology, they then tell you that, oh, you come from monkeys. And I'm like, this is supposed to be a school. Then who created the first monkey? Think about it. You want to give me an answer to the, You've told us that we should not answer questions with questions, but the answer you give us to creation as questions. Because where do we come from? We come from monkeys. You've still not answered my question. Who created the monkey? Like, answer the question. Then they not tell us, oh, you can't live long enough to be able to, you know, see other monkeys become humans. That's a greatest cop-out. It's a great excuse to escape my question. So, all our generation of humanity, nobody. Let's see at least it does not just happen, boom. Let's see signs of intelligence. Are you with me? Let's see signs of intelligence. Let's see them at least. Let them stop being hoo-hoo. Let them start even... They don't need to have reached human being yet. I just want to see them progress. But monkey na monkey. Monkey they chop banana. That's all we do. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's go back to the world. But do you understand what I'm saying? The devil will introduce ideas that seem smarter in contradiction to God's word. People are going to bring ideas. People are going to bring stuff to you that sounds smart. He says you will not surely die. Don't worry, sin. Nothing is going to happen. You won't surely die. Go ahead with the stuff. You'll be fine. There's something I'll say today that I don't know if we are ready to hear. But let's go on. <laughs> I don't know if we are ready to hear some of the things I'll say today. He says, you will not surely die. Let's go, let's continue reading. Verse 5, he says, For God knows that the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Yet again, another contradiction of the word. When you eat it, your eyes will be opened. It's a false sense of enlighten, enlightenment. 
that comes. Isn't this similar to what is happening today? If you are in countries like where I'm in, to not believe in God seems like the enlightened thing to do. You know, I was walking one day with my jacket that says I believe in God. Ah, I've not faced being the minority before like I faced in this place. And I was just walking, bouncing with my shirt. You know, I believe in God now. In Nigeria, I will rock it. We feeling fly. You know, just walking and, you know. And then someone was like, psst, psst. You know, I didn't, I, me, I'm not used to even answering all those type of things. So I don't answer. My friends look back. My friends are like, ah. The blessing I get, they call. Them, ah. I'm like, me? Like, psst, psst. Nice sweater. Now, there were three girls. They were laughing at me just because I wore a sweater that, that, wrote, that says I believe in God. Do you have to? They were making jest of the fact that I said I believe in God. Do you know what I'm saying? It seems more enlightened. Like, it seems you're, like you are in the, you are in the place, you know, you need to be. The, the idea presents itself that you'll be enlightened. Do this. Don't worry. You, you know, they'll say strong words like, take hold of your sexuality. You, it sounds smart, but it's foolish. Do you know what I'm saying? They'll say stuff like, I'm, I'm trying to give more relatable examples. They'll say things that should, that, that will make you feel like, you know, doing this would give you all of the freedom you need, would make you better, that you've been deceived all your life. One of the things I've learned recently, do you know that the same statements and words that people used to fight for human rights now is the same thing people are using to fight for all sorts of rights everywhere? All sorts of rights. It's the same thing. Even on Twitter, you see people use the same statements. Do you know what I'm saying? The same words. To fight for any type of thing. Just to, you know, make sure that what you feel is, is what goes on. They'll give you ideas that sound enlightened. People will tell you things. Let's go to the basic part of it. If you've ever been introduced to things like smoking, mar marijuana and other stuff like that, you know, and drugs and taking pills. How was it introduced to you? Was it not like something that will make you better, advance you, open your mind? And that's what the devil does. He brings these ideas this way. Introduces it, introduces it this way. He says, you'll be as gods. You'll be as gods. You, you go arrive. You'll be as gods. But this changes everything. Because from that little thing that the devil did, it changed the way that she saw the tree. Go to verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one, one wise. So, someone who saw the tree before and said, God said we should not eat it now, saw the tree and saw that it was pleasant for food. Are you with me? She saw the tree differently after the devil brought this idea to her mind. She saw the tree to be desired to make one, one wise. Please control the narrative around you. I've not reached there, but I will reach there. Control the narrative around you. What the devil did changed her mentality totally about that fruit. So now she's considering the, the fruit as something that will make one wise because of the narrative of the devil. Control the narrative around you. 
movies, media, stuff like that can make things that are evil seem smart and wise to you. Are you with me? She saw it as something desirous to make one wise. And then she ate it and she gave her husband. So, mankind had gone against its nature here. Mankind had sinned. And then immediately what happened? They covered themselves. Now, there was something at the root of this sin. And there's always something at the root of sin. Pay attention now. There is always something at the root of sin. It was that idea from the devil. Please, are you following me? It was what? That idea from the devil. It was that idea from the devil. It was that idea from the devil. That was the root. With the society we live in today and the devil out there and the flesh we live in, you would almost never live without facing temptation. This is why temptation must be dealt with. And if you must deal with it, you must go back to the foundation, the root. What is causing the action? Go to James chapter 1 and verse 12. Apuria Katalapai. James chapter 1 and verse 12. Suze diu burufe kaitapalatai. Are you in James 1 12? Bible says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. He says, let no one say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God. For God cannot, cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desires are conceived, it gives birth to sin. And seeing when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Listen to this. Firstly, God does not tempt you. What did I say? God does not tempt you. You are tempted of your own desires. But secondly, James uses an analogy of pregnancy to teach you about this. He says, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to what? To sin. And sin, when fully grown, it brings what? It brings death. So listen to me. Desires and the things around you are the things that tempt you. That's the conception stage. You have to look for the origin. You must go back to the foundation, the root cause. For Eve, that idea that made her think about the fruit that she did not consider eating before, to something desirous for food, something desirous to make one wise, was the root. That was when sin was conceived. Are you following me? That was when sin was conceived. The day you sinned was not the day that it was conceived. Or the minute, rather, you sinned was not the minute it was conceived. James says when it delivers, it delivers sin, and when sin is fully grown, it is death. So what must you do? You must stop the conception. What did I say? You must stop the conception. Like Eve. Take away the things that would make you desire the fruit as something that would make you wise. Take away the things that would change. It's almost hard in the society we live in now, but you must stop the conception of sin. 
You must kill it at its conception. Are you following me? You must what? Kill it at its conception. In Luke chapter 4 verse 1, the temptation of Jesus. The Bible says, Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. In those days he ate nothing. Afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. In verse 5, the devil taking up to him high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in, one, in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. I will give it to whosoever I wish. Therefore, if you worship me, all will be yours. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, His angels shall have child. Listen, Jesus was fasting. He was tempted. Now, first of all, temptation came to Jesus when Jesus was fasting. Oh. So if you are fasting and heavy, temptation comes to you. It's not because you are the child of the devil. No, you have presidents in the world. <laughs> the devil wants to hold you in that time. But moving on, that's not my point here. When we think about temptation many times, and when we think about the temptation of Jesus, many of us, are, you are thinking that, you used to think that maybe Jesus and the devil were strolling, you know, they were just walking, <laughs> you know, and he was walking and saying, come, 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 let's go here. Look, look at the way the Bible records the second temptation. It says, the devil taking him up a high mountain showed him all the kingdom, kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Is it possible to show somebody all the kingdoms of the world in one moment? Physically? Is it possible? Can you show somebody all the kingdoms of the world physically? No. It's not possible. So if you look at all of the things and the temptations of Jesus, you must not, you must stop imagining that devil was holding Jesus' hand and taking him on the walk to all these places to see. No. The temptation happened in the mind. Are you following me? It happened in the mind. Let's look at it again. So that you are not shocked. Jesus was in the wilderness. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. That's the first one. The second one, he says, the devil said to him, all authority, all this authority I will give you. Let's start from five. The devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Is there any kingdom, is there any place right now where you can see all the kingdoms of the world? Physically. No, you can't. There's no one. Unless it's Google. Then you can search for the, <laughs> the worth of everything in the world. But there's no, there's no such mountain right now. And then he says, all this authority I will give you and their glory. It was something that happened in the mind. And then the last one, he brought him to Jerusalem. But Jesus was still in the wilderness. So you have to think of the whole experience and the journey. And understand also that they happened in the mind. Please, are you following me? But look at Jesus' responses. In verse 4, he says, The answer to him, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. In verse 8, he responded to the second one and said, Get behind me, Satan. It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then in 12, he says, Jesus answered and said unto him, It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So listen, even though the temptations happened in the mind, Jesus responded with words. How do I know that? The Greek word for Jesus said there is lego, L-E-G-O. 
And it means to break silence. It means to what? To break silence. It can also mean to affirm. You know what it means to affirm? To say something in affirmation. To affirm. So Jesus spoke in response. Even though the temptation happened in the mind, Jesus responded with words. So the first thing I want you to, to take and the first most important lesson you must learn is that you must stop the conception of sin. You must stop it from ever conceiving to becoming sin that is delivered. Are you following me? You must stop its conception. Kill it at its root. Kill it at its idea stage. At the point where the desires are coming, kill it there. Number two, don't fight temptations, especially those that are in the mind, with thoughts as well. Fight them with what? With words. Jesus broke silence and said, it is written, thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of, of, of the mouth of God. Or the word of God, rather. So even though the temptation happened in the mind, Jesus responded by what? By speaking. So don't fight thoughts with thoughts. Fight thoughts with words. Affirm. Break the silence. Break the silence. Think about every time that you've been tempted. Were you able to speak? But now you must learn to speak. You must learn to affirm. Affirm words. Affirm what the word of God says about you. Are you with me? Affirm what the word of God says about you. Yes, it is written, but it is also written. Because the devil might come with words from the Bible, but you must also, also, always affirm what the word of God says about you. Please, are you following me? This is important. Very important. Learn to respond to temptations with affirmations, with speaking. With speaking. In Mark chapter 8 and verse 31. And he began to teach them. The Bible says he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed after three days rise again. Verse 32. He spoke these words openly and then Peter took him aside to rebuke him. But when he turned around and looked at the disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get thee behind me, Satan. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. So Jesus rebuked him fervently. This is what you must learn from this. Once ideas come that are in contradiction to the word of God, you must rebuke it firmly. Is that clear? You must what? You must rebuke it firmly. Unlike Eve. Don't just say this, this, this and still take it. Mm -mm. Rebuke it firmly. Respond with affirmations. Respond with the word of God. Speak and don't just think. Speak. So how do I handle temptations? I'll give you a few points on how to handle temptations. I hope everybody's following me. Are you learning something? Pay attention because this will change your life. Number one, I've already mentioned some of these things before now. So how do I handle temptations? Number one, know what sin is. And know that sin is not okay. Did you hear what I said? 
know what sin is and know that sin is not okay. It might sound basic, but society has almost made us forget what sin is and has almost made us think that sin is not wrong. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19. I want you to open your Bibles here. We must read this properly. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19. Are you all in Galatians 5 19? The Bible says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. And it's not given an exhaustive list, but think of all these things. A lot of these things have been hidden. So, if I, if I were to group the list, you see the first set of lists are sexual immoralities, adultery, fornication. It goes to, to, to impurities, like sin of the mind, pornography, and stuff like that. Then it goes ahead to idolatry, which doesn't always refer to carving an idol in your house. Sometimes idolatry can be your job. Anything that is taking your time more than God is a sin. Anything you've placed ahead of God. I know you, do, you didn't want to hear that. But anything you've placed ahead of God is idolatry. If you've given more servitude to anything than you've done God, it's idolatry. Please, are you following me? It's idolatry. It's idolatry. You are so focused on it and engrossed on it beyond everything. It's idolatry. Are you following? We go ahead, we see things like substance abuse. When I'm saying substance abuse, I'm not only talking about drug abuse. Are you following me? I'm not only talking about drug abuse, I'm talking substance abuse. Can I tell you something? This might include food. Hope everyone is paying attention. This might include what? Food. Food is a blessing from God. If it's abused and misused, there can be a problem with it. Are you guys following what I'm saying? You are seeing what sin is. Sometimes sin is not about the substance. Stop asking your pastor questions like, is drinking a sin? Just what I'm saying. Sometimes the, the thing itself can be a gift from God, but the usage is an abuse and it's sin. Are you following me? Substance abuse. It's a sin. If abused or misused, there's a problem. Herbs are given by God. If abused and misused, there's a problem. Then he goes ahead to talk about relational sins, hatred, anger, the way you relate with your brothers and sisters. Are you all following me? Romans chapter 8 and verse 6 says, To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Sin leads to what? To death. So if the question in your mind is, what is the problem with this? The problem might not be with the substance, but with the usage. It's abuse. That's when it becomes a sin. That's when it was, it becomes what? A sin. 
God created sexuality. He's not opposed to it, but he puts a boundary around it for a reason. Please, are you following me? Part of the things that say maybe we're not ready to hear is that do you know that every, every type of sexual relation or relationship that is not ordained by God, that is not the way God spoke about it, go check the facts today. There is more spread of diseases through that. You know what I'm talking about, Abby? There is more spread of disease through it. Medicine has always found healthier the things that the Bible has considered as the boundary for us to stay. And the things that the Bible has considered a sin for us has always led to some form of death, some form of illness, some form of evil. So food might be good, but an abuse of it is a problem. Sexuality, God is not opposed to it, but an abuse of it would lead to a lot of evil, diseases, stuff like that. Have you, you I, I think, was it me or a friend who read the medical record that actually said, <clears throat> even though now the Bible tells us the reason why God separated some types of food in the Old Testament as a shadow to show us the separation between Jews and Gentiles, and later on that is not about the food, but rather about what God was trying to teach us, but that report actually makes us understand that the things that the Bible lists as unclean, are you with me, are not healthy food and they don't help, they don't help you in your health. And the things that are listed healthy are the ones that are actually fine. Are you following what I'm saying? Some of these things God did to protect man from some certain diseases. Since man started to live anyhow, do you know the amount of diseases that, are, that have come to this world? Especially sexually transmitted illnesses. So sometimes the boundaries God set us in, the boundaries of marriage before sex, there are for many other benefits that we can just think about. Stop thinking about just your enjoyment at the moment. Those boundaries are important. Please, are you following me? Those boundaries are important. You know, the world will tell you that it is freedom to be able to do whatever you like. But I beg to disagree. Because have you noticed that all the people who say they can do whatever they like cannot stop doing whatever they like? Have you noticed? Someone tells you, I'm free. I don't want to be any, under any law. The Bible gives so much laws and stuff like that. And then yet, you seem to be the one that is living like a slave. So they will tell you, oh, I can stop what I'm doing whenever I like. I can probably stop partying, drinking. Okay, stop now. They can't stop. Because that's the actual slavery. Nobody is truly free if he cannot set boundaries for himself. Did you hear what I said? Nobody is truly free if he cannot set boundaries for himself. If you cannot control your time, you are not truly free. If you cannot control what you eat, what you drink, you are not truly free. There are some people, what, is the, what, what they are seeing is in particular, I think it's called hedonistic sins. The pursuit of pleasure. Make we enjoy. I cannot come and kill myself and die alone. Live life, chop life. It might not be a problem at first, but the moment it goes beyond, it's a problem. A constant pursuit of pleasure. A constant pursuit of pleasure. It's a problem.
Number two, walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. Don't gratify the flesh. So the second way to handle temptation is walk in the spirit and don't gratify the flesh. Go to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Are you guys there? Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. The Bible says, This I say then, Walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusted against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. It says they are contrary. The flesh and the spirit. Verse 19. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. I read this before. Adultery and all of those things. Then it says, Which I tell you before, and just like I told you in time past, that those who practice this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then in 22 it says, But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So listen, the solution to that dueling conflict between the flesh and the spirit, that fight in your, in, in your heart and in your mind, the solution to it is to what? Is to walk in the spirit. Are you listening to me? The solution is to what? Is to walk in the spirit. It says there's a battle, there's a dealing conflict between the flesh and the spirit. It says those who have, who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. So if we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. Now, there's a concept that I've said to you time and again, and it's something that, I, that, that E.W. Kenyon says. He calls two types of reality. I've repeated this, but for the sake of newer people who are here, he calls, he calls something legal realities and vital realities. Someone might be asking the question here, but he says we've been, we've been crucified and, you know, we've crucified the flesh with his passions. Why then is he still now telling us how to put it in place? It is because, according to E.W. Kenyon, they are legal and they are vital realities. Now, your legal reality as a believer is that you are dead to the flesh. Are you with me? Your flesh has been crucified. It has been destroyed. Now you are a man of the spirit. But in all facts, you still live in the flesh and you might still face tendencies that the flesh wants to come back. So a good way to explain it is like a, a, a prisoner who went to court and then the judge on that day finds him free. And then he says he's discharged and acquitted. Is that how they say it? He's been let free. He's been set free. Legally, by all standards, he's free. But on the spot at that time, he's still wearing handcuffs. He's still wearing a prisoner's uniform. There will now be a need for a vital action to take off those cuffs and make vital what is legal. Are you following me? No matter how long he walks in a prisoner's uniform until they release him to his family, all that needs to be done for his legal realities to match with the vital is that they just need to put an action of removing. Are you following me? Of removing. So take an example that he goes ahead with his prisoner's uniform 
and he continues to work with other prisoners, they can mistake him for a prisoner and lock him up back. Are you with me? Because why? He's wearing a prisoner's uniform. But the moment he drags off that uniform, you can't mistake him for a prisoner any longer. That's what it means to walk in the spirit. Are you following me? Do the things that identify you as a free man in Christ. Don't do the things. It's like, it's like going out and then going to kill. You, we are going to still think you are a prisoner to sin. But set the, set the way for us to know that there's a rehabilitation that has happened in your mind as a free man. So the solution to the dueling conflict is to walk in the spirit. But this time it's not just a natural situation. Because by the spirit, you can easily modify the deeds of the flesh and focus on the things of God. Are you with me? Your desires are now focused on God. So the flesh wants to feed. But you cannot feed the flesh. Now, begin to feed the spirit. Are you learning something? Begin to feed the spirit. What you must now do is to starve the flesh. Hey, I'm teaching you something that will help you. What you must now do is to what? Is to starve the flesh. And yes, society is creating an environment that wants to keep your flesh well fed. People are being led by their desires. And they want you to follow after the same. But the Bible says if you walk in the spirit, you will not feed the flesh. So the best way is to walk in the spirit. I'll give you an analogy I heard a long time ago, not too long ago, and I shared with you once. If you stay in areas that have raccoons or have other rodents, rats, and stuff like that, people outside the country might agree with raccoons. People in Nigeria might relate better with rats. So... <laughs> that's not a shade. But, I you laughing now? Now you're making it sound like a shade. Oh, let me teach in peace. Ah, okay, Nigeria has a raccoon. You have, you have, it's just black and small and smaller <laughs> and fat. <laughs> we'll just call it raccoon so that we know that you will <laughs> Anyways, listen. If you've ever had a rat problem, you cannot solve that rat problem by always keeping your kitchen dirty, leaving your trash open, leaving food all around. Some of you rats used to play on your plates. <laughs> you know, leaving your plates unkept. Even, even if you had a cockroach problem, you can't solve it by leaving dirty dishes out, right? You can't solve it by leaving your garbage open. And if you're outside the country, you can't keep raccoon away by littering where you stay with a lot of trash. Why? If you don't throw the garbage out, if you leave garbage all around, you would attract rodents. The same thing happens in your life. If you feed the flesh, if you don't throw out the works of the flesh and the things that fuel it, you would attract more of the sin that you are trying to throw away. Does that make sense? Does that analogy help? So you must take the garbage and throw it out. If you leave things too loose, you would attract sin. If you don't set boundaries, if you don't have structures, you would attract sin. If you can watch any movie, you would watch pornography. 
Are you following me? If you keep friends that promote usage of drugs, you will take drugs because you've left things to, to lose. Are you following what I'm saying? You've left things to lose. If you feed the flesh, it will grow. So what you must do is starve it and feed the spirit. My pastor said something very important. He said a life without boundary is slavery. You become a slave to, this, to, the, to the flesh and your desires. And that's why fasting will help you to control the flesh. You must starve the flesh. That's why we fast. You discipline your body instead of allowing your body tell you what to do. Are you listening to me? So when you do food fast, it helps a lot because if you can discipline your stomach, then you can discipline your whole body. So discipline it. Set discipline. Set boundaries. Take out the trash. Don't let garbage remain. Feed your spirit. Starve the flesh so it doesn't grow. Starve it so it doesn't have control. You don't have to always feel good about don't give your flesh the room to always be comfortable. Starve the flesh. Starve the flesh. I'm telling you, this will help you. Do's and don'ts alone will not help you. Having a set of rules, I shall, you've always known that it's not good to do the things you are doing. But you must go an extra mile. Feed the spirit. Starve the flesh. If you do the things of the spirit, you would not gratify the desires of the flesh. You will not do the things of the, of the flesh. So we must go around just do's and don'ts and take extra efforts. Walk in the spirit. Feed your spirit. Pray. Fast. Study. Aggressively give yourself to the things that feed your spirit. Listen to, ser listen to sermons. Have long hours of prayer. Make sure you are always listening to something that edifies your spirit and starve your flesh. Please, are you following me? Make sure you always listen to something that feeds your spirit and make sure you are constantly starving the flesh. Make sure. For some of you, it might just be secular songs that feeds your spirit. You know. Sorry, that feeds your flesh. <laughs> you can't take it and say, Pastor said, feed my spirit. <laughs> that feeds your flesh. It might just be one vibe. One, it just gives you one club feel. You have impregnated yourself with sin. You don't know yet. <laughs> it's just waiting to be ma <laughs> It's just waiting for manifestation. <laughs> it's just waiting for manifestation. I enjoy good music, but the moment I see that there's pregnancy, hey, I run. Was it last last two weeks? I don't know who played one. I'm not going to mention his name. I follow you go and listen to the person. He says it's P Mike that recommended him. I don't recommend anything, you know. Someone just played the song. Ah! Oh my god, I like good music. I say, hey! Apple music now, one button. You know, the world has made it easy for you to surround yourself with evil. One button, papa, album downloaded. I was coming back from long hour shifts in the morning. Is that me to be listening to podcasts? Of theology school. Of the, hey! Nice Jesus. But the guy they sing. Ah! He they sing. Now, he doesn't say a lot of culture demeaning stuff, but 
But in this particular album, before I got home, it was as if I needed to wash my spirit with hypo. <laughs> so I got home. I was telling Simi that, ah, oh, that's true, listen to this guy's song, go. Oh. I was just walking, walking. At one point, I just got so irritated. Like, for some reason, I just got so irritated. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I just deleted the album instantly. And I haven't listened to it since then. So sometimes, yes, I want to listen to good music, but the moment I see that it's a pro- you are waging war against my spirit. I pack you. It's aggressive delete. It's not of you to do small, small delete. Just delete everything. Jonah, don't... Two, was it last month I deleted my Instagram? WhatsApp is a bit hard. It's just because everybody used to call me on WhatsApp. You know, I used to answer. If not, I will delete. Sell the phone. If that's what you need to do. No, listen. There are some times you must buy touch light phone. Do you know what I'm saying? There are times you must buy touch light phone. Now for this period, I'm done. Do you know Explore is the devil's playground? Let me just tell you, I know from experience. Explore is the devil's playground. Hey! Do you know what they are doing there? They are implementing infinity scroll to catch your attention so you forever be scrolling. So, man of God like me, open Instagram. So I can check, I take from within, I just move left. Boom. Hey! <laughs> it's just better to just, your devotion for that day, <laughs> you've impregnated yourself for the next two weeks. <laughs> it's just better to go and bought that one first before you come back. I had to delete it for, for I think almost, I don't, it was off my phone for maybe two weeks or three, I can't remember. And I didn't feel like installing it back. I didn't feel like it started. I felt, I didn't feel like I'd lost anything. I just felt okay. Less things to deal with. I hate me. Less things to deal with. We're going to talk some serious stuff. So I don't know. Hope you guys have time. We have some serious matter to discuss. Children don't have to use phone from four years old. Is it competition? Is it competition? Okay, all your classmates are using phone. Uh-huh. Me, when who they use Android? Now multi-links that they use that year. <laughs> when me I started multi-links, I had 100 naira credit. I, I used it for three months. Multi-links. <laughs> I'll just call hello, 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 call me back. Nothing important to do. Sometimes you feel good just because the phone is on. You can just move around. Multi-links you don't even have game that year. That's what I was using. Sometimes, children don't have to use phones too early. What are we doing? What are we doing? So, you need to be aggressive with it sometimes. Delete it. Everything that is stands for. You know what? Sometimes, Seth, you don't need to announce it. I'm going offline for... So you, tell, you put on your story. I, I will be offline for the next... Na lie, na lie. <laughs> Nobody is going to text you. Go. It's only 20 messages. Just go. <laughs> Just go. Go and come back. <laughs> Don't announce to anybody I'm off here for the lie. You want us to know that you are doing fast. I can fast. I can stay off. Nah, lie. Do it and don't tell anybody. Go. Just go. Let's be looking for you. Let's not just find you. <laughs> just go. If we want to really reach you, we know how to reach you. 
Just I'm saying, you need to be aggressive with it sometimes. Feed your spirit. Get the podcast link. Make sure that you are plugged every minute, feeding yourself constantly. There's always something feeding your spirit. That's how you will not walk in the flesh. That's how. Also, don't give up. Don't give up. A lot of people have accepted sin as their lot, as their fate. God's message to you today is don't give up. You've tried and you failed. You've been trying and you've been trying and you've been trying. You fought over and over. You are not allowed to give up. Listen, giving up is a sin. I'm being honest. You can't give up and let sin win. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You felt like giving up sometimes. Like, this is my cross. I'll be here. Don't worry. If sin is my own, I'll just take the sin like that. There's nothing I can... Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Walk in the spirit. Don't let sin win. You're not allowed to give up. Perseverance is a biblical virtue. Are you with me? I can overcome sin because Christ overcame as well. I can. I can. It's not your lot. No excuses, no medication. Some of you are using medication to undo addiction. It's a spiritual issue. Some Many times, actually, it's a thing of the mind. It's a sin problem. The origin of sin is spiritual. Do you understand what I'm saying? Handle it rightly. Number three, speak up. Number three, speak up. Here, we divide it into two. I told you, first of all, speak. Don't reply in your mind. Meditation. Take this as your worst strategy. Meditation. Affirmations. Confirmations. I'll try my best to put some confessions out to the group this week. Say those confessions daily. Paste it on your wall. Children, get sticky notes. Get bored. In the morning when you wake up, it doesn't matter if you did that thing last night. Don't get tired. In the morning when you wake up, confess. Confess these things. When the thought comes, confess these things. Speak up. Respond. It's a war. Plan your war strategy. This, these are my asanas against sin. Get scriptures that talk about who you are in Christ Jesus. I set my affections on things above and not on things of this world. Get those texts. Paste them. Now I walk in the newness of life. Get songs. Choke that devil away from your mind. In the morning, set your TV. YouTube music. Just play the songs. When you are walking, say, I take from within and I put upon. Just play it. Feed your mind. Fill your mind. When you are on the road, don't be looking around too much. To plug your ear. Be listening to. So always be feeding your spirit. Also, don't keep it a secret. When I say don't keep it a secret, I don't mean come and ask on your story that you have a temptation. I mean, get accountable to somebody. And when I say somebody, not just anybody, I must clarify. Don't just talk to anybody because the member is a, the person is a member of the Catalyst community. Come and talk to me unless I recommend somebody to you. Is that clear? Don't just talk to anybody because sometimes too, you will put the person in trouble. Are you with me? Sometimes you will put the person in trouble. 
Are you following me? So don't just talk to anybody. Unless I've recommended someone to you, that's the person you should talk to. Unless it's a very close friend you think will help you, but in the end, talk to somebody above you. Are you following me? Not everybody can handle your vulnerability. It's important. But what is most important is that you speak up. Iniquity thrives in secrecy. The devil wants you to remain in that bubble where he can always beat you down. When you get accountable, you can actively do something about it. Part of the things as God gives us more capacity I want us to do here is to create that counseling channel that we can use to help people. It's still a work in progress. But for now, you can come talk to me directly. Are you with me? Number four. Flee. What did I say? Flee. Run away. Everything is similar. I've mentioned some things about it, but I mentioned it as a point so you can learn. Flee. When Adam sinned, God did not say, go and don't do it again. God drove him out of the garden. You understand what I'm saying? He drove him out of the garden. This is important. If you read the latter parts of, of, of the text in Genesis, it lets you understand why he drove him out of the garden. Joseph did not stay in the room with Potiphar's wife when he was saying, no, no, no. He ran away. God brought Lot out of Sodom and said, Dave, don't look back. <laughs> Are you following me? Don't look back. God's method is flee. Run away from it. Don't do a day, she. Run away. What did I say? Run away. Don't try to entertain any type of contradiction that will conceive sin in your heart. Don't entertain friends that will trigger you. Break the connection. What did I say? Break the connection. Run away from movies that will trigger you, songs that will conceive thoughts in your heart, gatherings that will conceive thoughts in your heart. Cut them off. Your former classmates are doing reunion. You know it's ungodly. You don't have to reunite. There's no reunification of your body with sin. Leave there. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. My whole class is reunion. Let's do it. I know they reunite with... There's nothing light has to do with darkness. I'm sorry. <laughs> Peer pressure, you're not going to give me drink. Is that, uh, you know they drink again. I say, no, no. The Lord has captured my heart. You have captured. <laughs> Run away. No reunification. Please, Jackpot. No. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm talking about. You know who you wear in school. Scorpion. <laughs> Mighty, <laughs> mighty one in battle. <laughs> Run away, oh. Run away. Number five, which will be my last point. Create right environment. What did I say? Create right environment. Create an environment that will let you thrive. Don't leave it to chance. Don't leave it to society. Right environment is God's strategy. And the devil has created wrong environment everywhere. So even if you flee, there's almost nowhere to flee to. Do you hear you know what I'm saying? So now you have to create right environment. You know what the devil is doing to many people? He said you can have Sunday. Give me every other day of the week. You go to church on Sunday, Abby. 
or you okay fellowship Thursday Sunday okay take it I'll just take the rest of the week you have to create the right environment every time every day get the right type of friends the vicinity is controlled by Satan the devil doesn't care what you do on Sunday he wants to control every other time and this is where we must decide as a community even as we grow up to the right age a lot of you are at that age right now that we are going to begin to think of how to create the right environment. Not just for us, but also for our kids in the future. Are you with me? The right environment. That will help them grow in the Lord. And this is one of the reasons why to us in the Catholic community, purpose is very important. If many of you now don't hold on to the purpose of God and the calling of God on your life, and the ministerial assignments, the things God has told you to do, to build schools, to release music, to produce godly movies, there will be no place for us to run to. So take up your call, all the things God has asked you to do, the books, the visions, get them done now. So create the right environment both for yourself and those who are coming after us. Are you following me? So that when I'm coming from work, I can listen to your music and not that guy that wants to throw me into, <laughs> into the wrong place. Take up your call. We must create the... Listen. I think the last time I heard my pastor, he said something. He said, let us have a place to invest our money rather than giving all these other guys our money. Do you understand? Rather than giving all these other guys our money, let's have the right place to invest our money. Take up your call. Let's create an environment. We must protect ourselves. So listen, a life of boundaries, the will of God. So what would we do today? We would create the right environment. How are we doing that? The meeting times were setting. Trying to create a family group for you, a physical family group in Lagos, in Abuja. That's, as the Catholic community, that's one way. We're trying to help you create smaller groups to help you in your growth. But other than that, beyond that, you must create the right environment in your house. Create the right environment in every other place. Are you with me? Get a group of people that you are praying with. Don't just hold to yourself. Connect with other people on the community. By God's grace, one of the ideas that I have in my mind is to create a community app that can allow us to interact more and better and fellowship together, maybe have prayers frequently. It's a work in progress. But create the right environment. Create the right environment for yourself. Create the right environment for... Listen, there, there are some things that are common sense. When I was going for NYC, they said, ah, they posted it to a new go. That how are you sure it's the I say it's not the will of God. It cannot be the will. If God wants to talk to me, he will talk to me directly. He cannot use NYC posting to talk to me. How will you be telling me God use NYC posting to tell me where I should be? Which kind of rubbish talk is that? If God wants to talk to me, if he talk to me, it's the same God as you know. They say, no, now what if it's God that's posting? I say, no. I cannot go to the Enugu or anything. I went there for three weeks. After I came back to Lagos. They say, ah, what? I say, no. My local church. Is in Lagos, is in Ikeja. I don't get church for Enugu. 
They are no good at about three girls already chasing me. What happens in camp stays in camp. Ah, I'm not staying in that Enugu. I cannot let the them right environment. If you know what you want to do in camp, you will fear camp. Because you don't know anybody. Do you know what I'm saying? You don't know any, nobody knows you. It's only three weeks. Everybody will disperse and go to their houses. So I say no, it's not the right environment for me. Nah, 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 nah. I say I have church in Lagos. <laughs> I have community of God's people. <laughs> I'm going to go and join them and grow in God. Yeah, those are the things you have to think about. Those are the things you have to think about. Community. Some of you travel, you don't think of God's plan. You just travel. Where are you going? Russia. Who is in Russia? You just they go Russia. Okay, <laughs> no problem. Listen, create the right environment for yourself. This is how you will thrive. Are you listening to me? This is how you would what? You will thrive. This is how you will thrive. Get a group of people, pray with them. Let's identify you with certain people. In your house also, create that environment. Create a structure. Let's know you for praying in the morning. Fill your phone with the right things. Some of you, the only Christian thing you have on your phone is Bible. Even the Bible used to delete it because of space. You install it when you have space again and you need it. Don't worry. I'm just giving everybody today. Just take your own and go and correct yourself. Please change. Let's pray. We're going to pray. And we're going to pray this way. For those who are facing addiction and those who are not, but you're facing some kind of temptation. We're, going, we're just going to be praying. We're going to be saying that we put the flesh in its place. That we give ourselves adequately. We give ourselves totally to feeding our spirits. So endeavors and engagements that will keep us well fed in the spirit. And we starve the flesh. And you begin to pray. Just pray as fervently as you can right now. Rupe kelo tom regede de 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 de